On Ticker, this is Spotty with Alio D'Amato. Well, hello and welcome to Australia's Hour of Investing Power. This is Spotty streaming to you live in Stage 4 lockdown from Melbourne Town. Now, we are, of course, located in the Ticker Studios here in glamorous Richmond. And for the next 60 minutes, uh, and hopefully it won't be our last, we get to shine the spotlight on shares and answer your questions live on air. So how do you get to ask your questions of our guests? Quite simply, all you need to do is text us. Uh, the uh, text number is 0480-079-089, or you can email us at uh, question at spotty.com.au. Now, of course, you will see these details appear throughout the show. They'll be at the bottom of the screen there, so no need to memorise it, but it does help if you put it into your phone and ask uh, questions if you want to play along at home. Uh, you can, of course, send your questions in early, as many of you have over the weekend. Uh, and don't worry if we don't get uh, through all of them today, we will during this week. Uh, again, assuming that we're going to be on air, of course. Well, let's bring in the, today's Chief Spotters, uh, starting with my great friend on the Sunshine Coast, who's probably seeing more Victorians on the street than I am at the moment. <laughs> it's Nick Raj from the Chartist. G'day, Nick. How are you doing? G'day, Elio. How are you? Yeah, very well. Thank you very well. Now, if you wouldn't mind, just for those that may be tuning in for the very first time and don't know about yourself or your, uh, the company that you founded, um, although I know many of you do because uh, you've been smashing Nick for questions for today's show, so thanks very much for that. But Nick, for the uninitiated, please tell us a bit about yourself and more importantly, the company you represent and how you help investors every single day. Sure. Um, so I've been trading for 35 years. I'm a professional trader. Uh, trading now only equity since about 2001. Prior to that, I traded futures. I was on the trading floor of the Sydney Futures Exchange. And then in 2005, my wife and I launched a company called The Chartist, which we still run today. And we launched that to answer the, well, to offer research, technical research. At the time, there was so much fundamental research around that we thought a purely technical approach to it all would be beneficial. So we started The Chartist and we use purely technical analysis to analyze the markets and also run different portfolios using various types of technical analysis as well. So we've been in business for about 20 years now and we've got clients all around the world. And as I said, no fundamentals for us, don't even know what half these companies do, so don't ask me. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's all right. We'll have Andrew Page to do that in a moment, uh, uh, Nick, but he's actually not with us at the moment, which is great because like I said, Early on, we got smashed with your questions, so we'll power through some of those um, uh, in okay. a moment. But just an important to remind everyone, of course, that the information in today's show is of a general nature only. It doesn't take into account your financial objectives, situations or needs, and therefore, should you decide to act on any of that information, you need to do so in light of your own personal circumstances. Past performance is no indicator of future performance, of course, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, you need to make sure that... Uh, you know, you just use a bit of common sense about you, pretty much like us Victorians at the minute, you would hope. Um, and uh, yes, if you want to speak to anyone else other than your significant other in life than you, uh, about any of this content, you need to do so with a licensed financial advisor. And uh, also a timely reminder that the next hour of Spotty is proudly powered by our sponsors, ShareWealth Systems. And since 1995, ShareWealth Systems has helped investors protect and grow their share portfolio with a rules-based investing approach that gives them an edge over others. So if you want to learn more about the team powering our spotlight and how you can be the tortoise and win the race, then please go to their website, sharewealthsystems.com, and be sure to read all the relevant information before making any investment decision. Okay, currently as we go to where, the market's currently flat at the minute, if I uh, have a bit of a look here. 
Uh, markets are all just up a little bit. Uh, all odds up 0.06%. The XJO up 0.1%. So rallying a little bit off the initial sell-off this morning on those concerns here in Victoria, of course. Uh, I am going to go to you, Nick, with the very first question. The question came from someone aptly named Unworry. Uh, Unworry wanted to know your view in regards to Macquarie Group. Uh, in particular, uh, there seems to be quite a few dips at the moment, hitting the 150 hourly EMA. So basically, it's bubbling along, uh, for, uh, to use the term if everyone's wondering what that is. Um, wants to know whether this would be a buying opportunity uh, or is it uh, different this time? So seeing a retracement back to that 150 uh, hourly level as being a possible opportunity. The code for Macquarie, of course, is NQG. Uh, what do you think, Nick? What do you make of this uh, price behaviour at the moment? Well, off the March lows, Elio, it's been very, very choppy on the way back up. I mean, we are making higher highs and higher lows, which is obviously signal of a bullish environment. But all in all, uh, we're losing a lot of momentum here in Macquarie. The broader market, as you know, has been stuck in a range for about a month and a half now. And after a sell-off, it looks like we're going to go to the bottom side of that range. And if we do that, then one would think that Macquarie is going to be dragged down. It's down a little bit today, but it really, over the last month or so, has lost momentum. And as such, I would suggest that we'll probably relinquish some of the gains we've made since March. Not a great deal. I think ultimately this market goes higher and ultimately, therefore, Macquarie will test its highs that it set back in February. But I think in the short term, a little bit of a breather is probably on the cards. Look for it to come back towards maybe $110, somewhere around that area. Um, and depending on the volume on that decline, if that decline actually comes along, if that volume is low, which it has been decreasing, and that's a bullish sign, that would be a buying opportunity. But I'd expect a little bit of weakness in the short term. Uh, yeah, look, that uh, comment you made there about volume is very important for you, Chartists. In fact, many of you tend to look at uh, volume more than the actual prices for guidance as to where the possible next breakout and move can occur. And that was a concept that you articulated quite strongly in your uh, blueprint for... Uh, uh, new traders, which uh, you know you've made actually available no to all, yeah, all Spotty viewers. So all you need to do is go to the chartist.com.au forward slash Spotty, and what you will do there is you'll be able to see. Uh, just enter your details, and there's this great blueprint. I've checked; it's it's about 26 pages <laughs> if you put it out into a Word document, but it's great informative information. And you're going to hear a lot of the concepts Nick talks about today covered or would be covered in that document. So if you want a bit more background in some of those more technical terms, then please download that document, thechartist.com.au forward slash spotty. Now, we're also joined, folks, by Andrew Page from The Straw Man, who's been able to put his Victoria buyers behind, not afraid to get on the uh, the wireless because, of course, he can't get COVID over the internet. Well, not yet anyway. G'day, Andrew. How are you doing? <laughs> Good, Elia. How's things? Oh, absolutely peachy. Yeah, no, loving it. Uh, loving it down here. Great days going from uh, indoors to indoors, uh, all masked up. It's uh, uh, quite wonderful. But look, for those that uh, don't know who you are, Andrew, even though you're a great friend of the Spotty program, of course, if you wouldn't mind just telling us a bit about yourself and the company that you represent. Yeah, sure. Uh, my name's Andrew. Um, I'm a private investor and founder of strawman.com. We're a social platform for share market investors. Uh, we try and give people a bit of a platform to share ideas, research, recommendations in a way that's all transparent and very accountable. No, nothing better than that, of course, better than just a hit and miss uh, chat forum, so strawman.com. And of course, it's free to join too, folks. So uh, by all means, uh, dabble in there and see what you can actually learn. And uh, many people have actually sent their questions through, Andrew, and wanting to learn a little bit. So the first one I'm going to hit you with 
is a stock which has actually been sold off a little bit today. It's down 7.2% to $1.29. It's Accent Group, uh, code AX1. Uh, now, it's from Gary on email who sent it to a question at spotty.com.au saying that even though retail is going through a tough time, he's seeing more people in the streets exercising and walking. So he's wondering whether that would be a good thing in regards to underlying demand. Um, obviously, the market would suggest today's not, but we know that's just uh, noisy nonsense. What's your view in regards to AX1, Andrew? Accent, you know, look, generally as a rule, retail is it's a very tough business, um, extraordinarily tough. And that's, that's just um, evidenced by the performance of a lot of retailers um, over time. But Accent has, has really stood itself apart. It has an excellent history. It has an excellent management team. Uh, owner of the athlete's foot, uh, owner of a whole bunch of brands, um, Hype, DC, and the rest of it. So you would think, right, a very highly discretionary product during a particularly uncertain time economically, and yet they have absolutely smashed it out of the park. I mean, in fact, their most reported, uh, recently reported figures, they saw like-for-like sales up. Digital sales, their online sales, though, absolutely exploded up 150% in May, which was a record month. In fact, in June, a quarter of all of their sales came through their digital platform. So they have held up remarkably well, perhaps much better than you would, you would expect. And this is a consequence of a lot of heavy investment that these guys made into their digital infrastructure in the last two to three years or so. So it's really, really sort of starting to pay, um, pay dividends there, um, figuratively and, and literally too. So um, look, I think, it's a, I think it's a great company. Um, investors just sort of need to have a look at their earnings chart over time. And, and you just see that, what you love to see as an investor, it's that staircase uh, chart, you know, just steadily increasing uh, earnings. And so it, the real question here with Accent is of course was, you know, it, how much of this, these sales have sort of been held up by sort of stimulus measures and the rest of it? Are they in for a bit of a tougher time ahead? Have they seen a lot of sales sort of being brought forward on these digital platforms, but, but will that continue? Um, there's, there's not a lot of, uh, um, the share price isn't demanding a lot here. They're currently sitting on a yield of almost 5%, which in this market's kind of unheard of for, for a company that's likely to be able to sustain that payment and a PE of 13. So it looks it looks pretty interesting, and um, I, I wouldn't go. I, I think it's very it's a very Peter Lynchy kind of approach to sort of look at what's happening on the ground, and that's that is a, a good sign. Of course, a company is valued on all of its future cash flows, so you you really got to look beyond what's happening right now. But I think for a long term hold, that you could do far worse in the retail category. Yeah, no, and with a proven uh, proven uh, business model, they've been able to turn the hype DC stuff around, and at least now appear to be going in the right trajectory. But uh, Nick, though, uh, there's three kinds of stocks at the market at the moment. Ones that have gone past their previous highs. Two that have rebounded off their lows, but sort of now sitting around that halfway mark. And then there's the dogs like AMP and IAG who really should be taken out the back and shot. So this is of the second group. So this one here is obviously come back a bit during those marks, that March sell-off. It has rebounded, but it's now teetering around that halfway mark. And I suppose, and again, another concept you talk about in that, uh, uh, in your blueprint that you uh, put out there, the breakout sort of concept, either one way or the other, what levels should Gary be looking at of uh, breakout that would confirm either the uh, recoveries continuing or that possibly worse times could be ahead? 
Yeah, look, it's an interesting one. This stock gets crucified on bad news. You know, back in 2016, it got absolutely thumped. Uh, March, obviously all stocks got thumped pretty badly, but the, the sell-off here was pretty swift and the recovery hasn't been particularly strong. We've, we've retraced what's called 61.8%, which is a very typical retracement of that down move. There's been a lot of technical damage done and it's starting to roll over again. And that's a very typical price action. I don't think we'll retest those lows. However, there's a very good chance that we'll slip down towards $1.10, $1.20 down that kind of way. And look, longer term, it might be a good buying opportunity. But, you know, you compare this to other stocks such as JB Hi-Fi, some of these other online retailers, and they've hit new highs. They're screaming and this one's struggling. So the fact that we haven't been able to hit new highs here and the fact that each time we get some pretty bad news, and I'm talking, you know, what happened in 2016 and what happened in March this year, the stock gets absolutely smashed. It kind of suggests that uh, investors are a little bit, you know, trigger happy, if you like, to get out very, very quickly. But volume demand on that big sell-off in March was not that high. So it looks like a more of a, a reactionary bounce rather than insiders in there accumulating that stock in, in size on that decline. So I'm a little bit cautious here. I would suggest that the risk in the short term would be a move back towards $1.10. And that may provide a good buying opportunity if it's on low volume. But at the moment, it's run out of momentum and it looks like downside for sure. Okay, well then let's talk about one of the stocks you mentioned there in your narrative, which was JB Hi-Fi. The question came from VJ who asked uh, for your opinion in particular, Nick, on the stock, particularly as it's now hitting all-time highs. And of course, everyone gets a little bit worried because as Andrew reminded us, it is a tough space retail, yet these guys keep defying the odds. And I think he's just wondering, you know, is it just too good to be true and whether he needs to be more cautious in regards to a possible downside risk uh, right here. Your views, Nick? Yeah, yeah, well, certainly it's been on fire, as you said. It, it's recovered all those losses we saw in March, hit new highs. Generally speaking, the first time we test a new high point, such as we're doing now, the stock will pause and there is certainly a risk of some short-term downside. But it's very difficult to get worried about a stock making all-time highs. Look, here's some news. A stock making all-time highs is not particularly bearish. Why the heck you would sell a stock that's making all-time highs? I have no idea. People do it. So it's had extremely strong momentum. They are the stocks that you want to be on. You don't want to be on the laggards on the hope that one day they'll turn around. You want to be on the stocks that are ripping higher because that's where you're going to be making your money. And JB Hi-Fi is one of those. Now, I would suggest there's scope for it to pull back. Very, very strong support down around that sort of $37, $40 area. Could pull back that far. And within the scheme of the bigger picture, that would be a healthy pullback and that would be a buying opportunity. But strong momentum down a little bit today by the looks of it with the broader market. Testing those all-time highs. Expect a pause. Absolutely. Now, Andrew, of course, you know, Australian investors tend to be naturally pessimistic. You know, when stocks are going down, we worry, of course. When Stocks are going up, we worry because probably they'll go down. And when their stocks go sideways, we worry because if they're going to go anywhere, they probably will go down. Interesting uh, analysis of the uh, Australian investor psyche, but be very interested to hear just briefly your view in regards to JB Hi-Fi, because of course, it's one of those ones that everyone's sort of been waiting for a pullback because they know it's a quality business um, to help them you know, validate the, the valuation in their minds. 
What's the community and your uh, personal view in regards to JB Hi-Fi? Are, are they willing to just, you know, bite the bullet and, and get into it or are they just waiting for that pullback, which is like waiting for Gotto at the moment? <laughs> well, if they're waiting for a pullback, as Nick just mentioned, they got a hell of a pullback in uh, March. So, um, yep. you know, it's one of those things. Everyone's, it, it's one of these things. People always say, oh, I'd love it. I'm going to get it on a pullback until it starts to pull back. And then you think, oh, maybe it'll <laughs> a bit further. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm approaching this from a long-term investment standpoint. And I, I, tend to, I tend to look at the price last. And so what I'm trying to do is just pretend that this is an unlisted business. I'm a multi-billionaire that's looking to make an acquisition. You know, <laughs> what is this price independently? What do I think this business is worth? And then I wait for the market to give me a price that I that that is that is that is lower than that, so I can get a bit of a bargain. So so I think that's that's always for an investor's point of view that that's the best place to come from. Um, looking at it now, um, they had some excellent results. Um, they're not really on on an undemand uh, on, on a demanding valuation at this point in time. What makes this a little bit tricky is that, that although they've had some really great sales results, the question you've got to ask is how much of that has been brought forward? Everyone working from home, learning from home, homeschooling, all of this kind of stuff. Everyone's realized that maybe we need another computer or two in the household. Maybe I need some home office equipment, you know, maybe all of this kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, will that momentum carry forward now that a lot of people have really kitted themselves out? Um, are they going to need to buy another computer, uh, another printer, um, more of these kinds of things? So I, I, I do think there is an element of that. Um, you do have to back good quality management, though. These guys just have runs on the board through all kinds of difficult situations. Um, as I said before, that the price isn't too demanding. If I just quickly bring it up, you're looking at what? P of 16 and a yield of 3.5% fully frank. So it's not terrible. Um, I wouldn't call it cheap, but it's probably okay for a long time, a long term buy and hold at this point. Yeah, I mean, I was just trying to call up the uh, short interest here, and my computer's just taking a little longer. Uh, but I'll uh, I'll get to that in a moment. It's been one that a lot of people have tried to back down. Sorry, I'm just two seconds away from getting. I just want to see where the current shorting level is. It has been steadily coming down, actually. Now only around seven percent, which is still relatively quite high. But compared to where it was, say in April, where it was twelve percent. Definitely sentiment has changed there in that regard. And, yeah, you've got to back quality management, and I like that uh, view. Uh, just think like a billionaire. Um, that's exactly the way you want to go about it if you want to be successful in the long run. Uh, but let's talk about another stock, uh, given you are a billionaire and have a bit to throw around there, Andrew. Infomedia, code IFM. Uh, software provider for the after-parts car market, whereby you can sort of go on there and get your, uh, you know, your alternator for your old Ford Falcon in a factory out in Queensland and, you know, get it deposited to you out there in Dalkeith in the, in the WA. So it's um, good technology. It's been out there for quite a while. Uh, the question, uh, though, obviously, is in regards to where they think or where you think, sorry, um, the company could go from here. The question comes from Todd and he emailed, us to it, emailed it to us. So your view, Andrew, in regards to Infomedia IFM. Yeah, Infomedia is an outstanding company. I mean, these guys deliver, it's an extraordinarily profitable business. So their, their return on equity, the profit they make relative to the net assets of the business has consistently been above 20% um, for quite a while here. They've seen some really impressive sales growth. That's nearly doubled over the last 10 years. That's on a per share basis as well. We've seen really good, strong earnings per share growth over the last three, five, uh, 10 years. 
um, really great returns for shareholders, um, and and again, really outstanding management and really outstanding um, business characteristics as well. Not only is it very very profitable, but it's a very very dependable earner as well. So ninety five percent of their revenues are recurring. Um, parts uh, the the software that they have is exposed to an industry that's actually more resilient than you might at first anticipate. Yes, things might be tough economically out there, but you know people still need to drive cars, and and in fact, you know um, when when people are having to make their car last a little bit longer, as they tend to defer those big big capital uh, purchases during tough times, you know you're still going to need parts if if something breaks down. Um, they're also an incredibly diversified business uh, as well. Eighty percent of their revenues uh, are offshore. And they operate in this really fragmented uh, market. So there's a lot of opportunity for growth here. In fact, as a lot of businesses were doing recently, they raised a bunch of capital, I think about 70 million in the Insto component back in April to accelerate their growth plans. Not that they needed the business because they were, they were getting, uh, uh, needed the cash because they were getting into trouble, but because they saw opportunity here to, um, to perhaps kick along their inorganic growth, their acquisitions uh, in this time. So. I think it's really, really good. We've got a super strong balance sheet. It's about $85 million in cash at this point in time. And, the, and for a business that's, that's growing really, really well, I mean, we're expecting uh, 12 to 18% net profit growth for FY20. Uh, revenue's growing at 10 to 12%. So that sort of shows you a bit of the operating leverage that, that it has here, like a lot of software companies. And for all of that, you're still getting, for a growth company, you're still getting a 2% yield, which is about 70% franked, which isn't too bad, and a PE of 33. So I think it's, I think it's a really attractive business, business and I think it's, it's about fairly priced. Okay, so, uh, well, Todd asked another uh, company in his uh, question there, Nick. That's uh, one who has a very different uh, price chart and I dare I say a different fundamental outlook. The company is Flight Center, FLT. Now, obviously, when you see stocks like this that have, you know, experienced the challenges that they have and their price gets belted as a lot, the, the, there are some investors who are quite brave and think, you know, well, maybe, you know, given it's effectively a similar business, it's, it's not exactly the same. We know they're very different times. Uh, but given it's a similar business, maybe this price correction's a little overdone. Maybe there is a bit of an opportunity out there. So, uh, Nick, your view in regards to FLT and what sort of levels uh, Todd should be looking for to give him confidence uh, either way, whether it's finally hit a bottom or whether uh, there could be worse to come. Well, Elio, there's an old Chinese trading proverb, those who pick bottom get dirty finger. And uh, Flight Centre <laughs> is definitely down there in the toilet at the moment. So um, yeah, look... You know, there's, there's one thing, stocks that go bankrupt, companies that go bankrupt, all of them exhibit the exact same trait. I'm not saying Flight Centre is going to go bankrupt, but it is showing the exact same trait as every other company that went bankrupt all the way back as far as you want to go. I mean, this is just classic HIH kind of stuff, Babcock and Brown kind of stuff that's, that's happening here. If we were to break down through those sort of $9 lows where it's, it's hit several times, then I would certainly be concerned about holding any longer. Generally speaking, after we have a significant downdraft, which is what we've had here, this stock fell from $40 down to $10 very, very quickly. Generally speaking, there's a three-phase process. So you have that capitulation, which we got, 
then you have what's called insiders buying, which we did get a little bit of uh, back there in March and April. And we can see that from the volume, okay? You get a big, massive spike in volume, and that's insiders buying at those bargain basement prices. However, what we then like to see for a proper turnaround is a period of consolidation where the stock moves sideways for many, many months, which kind of is happening here, but we like to see volume dropping off. Unfortunately, what we've seen here with Flight Centre is when prices pop their head back up above $15, sellers came in huge. There was a huge big selling spree came in and you can again see that via the volume. So that says to me that buyers were in for the bargain, but they didn't want to hang around very often. And it does, does suggest some further weakness probably will, will come through here. And that's just from a technical standpoint. If volume was drying right up completely, and sellers were done, then yeah, the stock would rise. But at the moment, there's still a lot of selling around on any strength. And that suggests to me, this stock doesn't want to go up just yet. So no point buying it down here, I would suggest, because it's not going to turn higher very far, very quickly. And the risks are definitely to the downside, especially from a technical standpoint, let alone what's going on in the, uh, in the economy. All right, then, Nick, I'll stick with you. We got a question on the text machine from Anonymous, uh, who uh, wanted to our view in regards to uh, CSL. So I don't think there's any suggestion that this one's going to go broke, uh, but its price has had a bit of a pullback, which has left many scratching their heads because demand for plasma is still quite solid. The business itself is going uh, great guns, but it has had a bit of heat uh, taken out of it. And uh, many investors who have made, let's face it, a mozza out of this business for a very long time um, are just wondering whether the good times are about to end. Has it just effectively hit its peak as a business. Well, of course, who knows uh, in that regard, you've sometimes you've just got to back that quality team, as Andrew reminded us. But from a price perspective, though, is it looking a little tired at this point or has it had its rest and is it looking more reinvigorated? Well, it's certainly looking tired and that's probably a currency, a currency issue, right? The Aussie dollar is pretty firm at the moment and that's going to be impacting CSL. Uh, but that's fundamental, so let's not go there, right? Um, Look, again, very strong buy demand back down around that sort of 260, 250 area. We've kind of got back down that way and the stock has turned up again today. So I would suggest if one wants to buy CSL, this is the kind of level right here to do it. Um, whether it holds is a, is a different question, but the fact that big buyers stepped back in there at these levels in March and April, really stepped up to the plate and did a lot of buying, that suggests to me they're pretty keen at these these levels. And when you've got insiders buying, you know, billionaires like Andrew and so forth, well, mm. you know, that's, that's where you kind of want to get in. Uh, they leave footprints in the market and that footprint is uh, from volume and that's what we saw back at these levels and it's quite interesting to see now that the stock is turning up. So if it, if it holds here, it's probably a great buying opportunity. Aussie dollar, well, I, I think that's the, um, that's the pay dirt there at the moment. The Aussie dollar looks like it's you know got a bit of a trend on the upside going and that may just limit CSL's upside for the short term. Uh, thank you very much for that assessment. Andrew, we're going to move on because obviously we're getting smashed on the uh, machines here, so I want to make sure I get through as many as we can. Uh, did receive, um, sorry, part of that same question, not only was it CSL, but also Altium, code ALU. Again, another one of these stocks that has recovered off its lows in March, but has now sort of gone sideways. But of course, it's one of the famous WAC stocks, uh, the tech stocks that had uh, or have driven so much of it, but 
really in the recent recovery and over the last month or two, it's sort of been left behind by the afterpays and zeros who have really kept shooting the lights out. And these guys have pretty much been tracking sideways. Um, I know this is a stock that would be talked about on the strawman.com community. Um, your view in regards to LTM and where it's sitting at the moment? Okay, so LTM is a, an outstanding business. I mean, these guys have just exploded in terms of their, their revenue, their earnings growth and that in recent times. Um, they've got a, an excellent offering. They've got excellent fundamental momentum. Uh, it ranks really well on Strawman. It's actually the 18th uh, highest ranked stock on our platform at this okay. point in time. Um, they did say recently, a few months ago, that they expect some headwinds from the ongoing restrictions associated with, with COVID. Um, and that is going to impact performance for the final quarter. I think that took the market a little bit by surprise. It's not that there's anything fundamentally wrong with the business, but this is a case of where the market was perhaps sort of pricing for perfection there. And we, we see that with, in fact, a lot of these, these um, really popular tech stocks at the moment. There's no mm. question that these are phenomenal businesses with very bright futures, but I think a lot of people tend to forget that you can still do really badly in a great business if, if you overpay for it. And, and there was just so much in the price. So um, the other thing that was interesting, they've had this long-term aspirational target of 200 million US in revenue. And now, now saying that's a bit of a low probability, which, which is a very big change from the reiteration of that target, which was, which was um, not, not too long issued before that. So look, um, it's not for me at this point in time, it's, it's, still, too, it's still too expensive. Um, I've said that before and have really regretted that because you know we've seen very expensive stocks get even more expensive. But you've got to stick to your guns, I think, on on this kinds of kind of stuff. And and for me, it's great business, just a little bit too expensive though. Yeah, I mean forecast uh, PE, I think of around seventy um, at these uh, levels, and you know it's uh, definitely paying up. And I'm just having a look here, price to cash flow. Where is that sitting at the moment? Around twenty odd. So. Yeah, we're, oh no, sorry, about 47 actually, much higher than that. So yeah, it's uh, definitely up there still in the nosebleed section and therefore could be tracking sideways for some time until it gets that catalyst that the market is obviously waiting for. All right then, folks, we're about the halfway mark right now. And as you know, we now do our see the light section where we get one of our guests to start up, uh, uh, to walk up to the plate and tell us about two stocks that they're currently looking at that we can go off and do a bit more research on. Uh, Nick, you're our first contestant for today. So what are two stocks you'd like to help us see the light on in this current market that we should go off and uh, have a look at? And, and most importantly, why should we go have a look at it? So my first stock is Appen. The code there is APX. Um, the technical setup is a big basing pattern that we broke out of just a month or so ago. Um, basically, the bigger the base, the bigger the move. And we had a base there that went on for about a year. And the top of that was at 32.50. We recently broke out of that and we're now consolidating on some low volume. So we're at all-time highs. We're very close to all-time highs here. And technically, it looks very, very strong. Upside, potentially $45 somewhere up there longer term. And this is a stock that trends really, really well when it gets going. You know, as you know, Elio, I'm a momentum investor. That's yep. all I do. Just follow the trends. Um, and I'm not going to argue with the stock hitting all-time highs, especially in this environment. So... If it was to pull back, um, it could come back to that breakout level, just 32.50. That's a very, very common occurrence. So um, Appen APX is my first one. Now, the second one um, is BAPCOR, B-A-P is the 
home. Um, some good momentum, like the broader market, has been consolidating over the last few months, but potentially going to retest its all-time highs up there around that 780, 760 area. Um, we're consolidating and breaking out. Friday, you know, the market was sold off quite heavily, but that call um, went against that trend and broke up and out, and that's a very good sign. And again, today I can see initially it was sold off and it's come back. So there's a little bit of buying going on there. So look, not a huge amount of upside potential. It's currently trading at around 625, but mm. for a short term move, looking for that to retest its old highs up there close to $8. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, at least that rebound has been pretty solid. Not much of a retracement back in part of that. And yeah, like you said, it just finds those uh, that support when uh, there is a bit of a sell-off. So uh, there's Nick's two stocks, Appen, APX, and Babcorp, BAP. All right then, folks, just another reminder that if you wish to have your questions answered by our panel, then you need to send them through right now. Uh, the email is question at spotty.com.au or you can text us on Dexter uh, 0480 And remember, those details appear. So if a question pops up, by all means, do send it through. Uh, remember, we're here tomorrow as well. We've now moved to our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday cycle. So uh, any questions we can't answer today, we will be answering tomorrow and the subsequent days. Um, if today's any sign, because we've got a heap of them. Uh, remember to uh, also go to spotty.com.au to watch replays of the show and tune into the social media in order to keep abreast of what's occurring. And there are podcasts available as well. Uh, and now a word from our sponsors, Share Wealth Systems. Uh, for those who, well, you know, you've been in this investing caper for quite a while, you'll know that investing is a marathon and not a sprint. And therefore, we should be the tortoise and win the race of investing life. That has to be our focus. And it's something that Share Wealth Systems has been doing for over 25 years now. Please go visit their website, sharewealthsystems.com, to have a look at it. Uh, it is new, so there's some new content to get your head around. Share Wealth Systems is a proud holder of an Australian financial services licence, of course. However, should you wish to talk to someone about shares on a personal level, then you still need to do so with an advisor who's licensed to do so. And uh, past performance is no indicator of future performance, of course, but you don't end up in this game for over two decades by accident. All right then, so back to the market. Markets are currently still up a little bit. The All Lords up 0.04%, the XJO 0.07, so relatively flat day. Really, I think, looking for some guidance from the US as to where our market could be heading next um, on the back of all this uh, COVID-19 stuff. All right, I'll go back to questions. Uh, Andrew, I'll uh, throw this one at you. Lifestyle Communities, L-I-C, is their code. It's a question from Stephen who emailed us, a question at spotty.com.au. Would like our thoughts in regards to the business. Obviously, real estate, a challenging space at the moment, particularly given revaluations for those retail uh, REITs. Uh, but he's looking at a long-term uh, view of the stock LIC, uh, particularly in light of an ageing population. So uh, your views on this one, Andrew? I actually wasn't familiar with this one uh, prior to today, okay. Elio. But, um, and I, I went into it thinking, I'm not going to like it. Um, yeah, aged care, all that stuff, yeah. Aged care, property, capital intensive, you know, it's, 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 it's not, it doesn't tick a lot of boxes, but you've got to give credit where it's due. I mean, these guys have done very well. They only formed in 2004, listed in 2007, and uh, their, their dividend um, or their distributions have been uh, fantastic. Growth in assets has been really good as well. These guys focus on a very well-defined niche for them. So these are these, what they call affordable lifestyle communities uh, for the over 50s, very much focused in the greater Melbourne area. Um, and 
Yeah, it looks really interesting. Dividends, as I say, doubling over the last three years, and it is, it is an attractive demographic. One thing I think people have to bear in mind with these kinds of long-term sort of secular trends, because I hear it a lot on the market, people will say, we're expecting these things to sort of happen over the coming decades, and, and from a very good basis, a very good rationale to expect these kinds of things. But then they buy shares on that basis, and then three months later, they're gone because of some short-term hiccups. So I'm just, I'm, I'm really sort of saying here, if you're raison d'etre for getting involved in a stock of these long-term sort of tailwinds, you've got to kind of be prepared to sort of see those things play out because mm. the aging demographic trend isn't something that's going to play out over three, six, 12 months, three years even, you know. So, so yes, it's a lovely win to have at your back. The businesses can still get into a lot of trouble uh, along the way. Um, but yeah, they, they, they look really interesting. They've got an, uh, an interesting model here. They, they tend to sort of... Um, uh, they, they develop these areas, they then sell the property uh, uh, to these retirees um, and, and there's a lease component on the actual land there as well. They've also got this great uh, thing they do where they recycle all this capital, they put all this capital in developing a community, they sell a bunch of that, they take that out and then they do it again. Um, and as I said, they've been very, 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 very successful at that. So that was all very interesting. And shares are up 13-fold over the last 10 years. So this has created phenomenal wealth for long-term yes. shareholders, um, which, is, which is really impressive. From a valuation point of view, I'm just not going to be able to get a very accurate read on this in a very short time that, I, that yeah. I had a look at it. The net tangible asset backing of the business is at $2.50 per share or thereabouts. Share price is at, is at $8.50. Those distributions, as I said, are very attractive and been rising very nice. But as a, as, a, as a function of the current share price, the yield is 0.6%. So th there's a lot priced in here. And then maybe someone who knows this business better is shouting at the screen right now because I might be missing something um, very obvious here. But it, it, I'd put it in this category of very interesting, very wonderful history, ostensibly expensive, but there <laughs> might be a factor here that I'm missing. Yeah, no, very true. And uh, but again, you know, with the the hunt for yield, so many term deposit and bank refugees now moving over to other alternative plays, they're almost willing to get at at any price. Uh, talking about believing in a theme and holding it for the long term, Nick, no one has done that and be more stoic than lithium supporters. Uh, lithium stocks, of course, being absolutely belted um, over the last two years as rising supply globally has really smashed the price of uh, lithium. Um, uh, condensate. Now, uh, we had a few questions in regards to you. So there's three stocks. Um, I'll remind you, don't worry in case you don't remember. The first of those is Vulcan Energy, VUL. And uh, then the next one is Altura Mining, AJM. Uh, both of those involved in that lithium space. Both those stocks were asked of you because obviously requiring a lot in regards to price action to help uh, provide some guidance, even though they're all appearing to be a pre-feasibility and reopening their facilities, at least at pilot level. So let's start with VUL, uh, Nick. What sort of key levels uh, should uh, Sam Baghini, actually, who, texted, who sent that to Twitter, so hi, Sam Baghini. Uh, what uh, VUL, what sort of levels are we looking at here, Nick? Yeah, well, I mean, that stock has rallied pretty hard over the last few months. It's pulled back off its high of 65 cents in the last couple of weeks. Um, the pullback has been on pretty small volume. Look, there's not much price history here, Elio, whatsoever. Um, yeah. Prior to 2020, it was really not much going on in any way, shape or form there. But 
been some, some solid momentum. Unfortunately, what we see with a lot of these specky type kind of stocks, they go up like a like a gorilla and, and fall very, very quickly. So um, it's pulled back a little bit. It's done so on light volume, which is actually a very good sign. Um, so look for some consolidation and maybe go again. But um, yeah, support back down there at 35. It's currently trading at 50 cents at the moment. And then Altura Mining, AJM, which once was in the ASX 300, uh, then got booted out. Its share price, again, unfortunately, has been on a pretty big pullback. But uh, um, is there light here at around six-odd cents when I last looked at it? Yeah, look, this is your classic example, as I was talking about earlier on, of a stock that's uh, gone down a long way and is now starting to, or has been basing for an yes. extensive period of time. This goes back to around September last year. Stock has been stuck in a range. The top end of that range is about seven and a half cents, and we're just tapping on that door at the moment. So if it got up through seven and a half cents, I'd be pretty interested in taking a closer look at that because that's a solid breakout from a big base. Potentially, that's a good turnaround story right there. Um, you know, another one that looks very similar and that I do track in the same area is uh, Pilbara. You know, yeah. PLS is the code. Exactly the same setup, big basing pattern. You know, it's looking to tap on the door at the 40 cent breakout level. So. I think those two look particularly better. Um, coming out of a base is always a very, very good thing. Um, so, yeah, some interesting times there. But, yeah, they've been hammered over the last few years, that's for sure. Yeah, and uh, Elon Musk obviously trying his best to not only boost lithium markets but nickel as well. Uh, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But, Andrew, we're going to the other end of the market cap spectrum to uh, the mighty behemoth itself, CBA. A uh, question comes through from uh, Bernie who texted us on 0480. 079089. He says that he bought some CBA shares at the dip. Obviously, presumably that's March. Uh, they've risen or they did rise to $74, but they've now had a pullback towards 69. And he's thinking in retrospect, it may not have been a good decision. Basically, he was being opportunistic. He received the benefit from that. And now he's wondering in regards to whether he should wait for that financial report or should he dread it and possibly look to uh, book the gains that he's made. Now, obviously, we can't tell you what to do on a personal level, uh, Bernie, but I'm sure Andrew's got a view in regards to CBA, and no doubt he'll throw a comment about all the banks too. So, Andrew, take it away. Well, last time I was on, Ilya, you asked me about NAB, and I, I just I gave an incoherent rant for about five minutes on, on why I don't like them. So <laughs> That's all right. You, no turned people, you turned people off it, so it was great. That was a good outcome. Well done, Andrew. <laughs> Uh, look, I just, I mean, banks hold such a special place in investors' hearts, you know, particularly older investors who, who have been with them for a while. And, and undeniably, they've delivered some phenomenal long-term returns. But I think when we look at more recent history, it's been pretty ordinary. I mean, shares in CBO, CBA are below where they were a year ago. They're below where they were three years ago. They're below where they were five years ago. Um, it really hasn't been a great investment. You take away dividends. I mean, even, even with dividends, it hasn't, it hasn't been great. Take away dividends, it's been, it's been really awful, particularly what we've seen um, in comparison to, to what's happened in other parts of the market, in particular technology. So I, I just think that the banks um, 
um, they're in for a really, really, really tough time. Um, we're we're going to see some big increase in bad and doubtful debts. We haven't really seen this being played out just yet because we've, we've seen uh, repayment holidays come through. As again, I mentioned before, a lot of stimulus that's sort of out there. I really worry though what happens when a lot of this is all, all mm. sort of taken away. Um, dividends are almost certainly going to be cut in, in my view. Um, I think a lot of the things that lifted the banks up sort of between you know, the last, the last couple of decades, it, these structural factors are no longer as dominant as they once were. We've seen the potential for a lot more disruption from technology. Um, we've seen, um, I, I think, a lot of worrying concerns in the housing market there as well, which has really been the biggest driver for the banks. And, you know, trees don't grow to the sky. So it's, at some point, it's just, it's just going to get harder and harder to stretch that rubber band. So mm. I'll just leave it there. It's, it's, it's not for me. In, look, the, 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 the thing that you've got to remember here is that if you want to buy some shares in CBA and you hold them for 10 years, you'll probably go, okay. You know, it's not going to be anything to write home about, but it'll be okay. But as an investor, you're really trying to maximize your return on a risk-adjusted basis. And when I look at, you know, there's 2,000 other stocks out there, I think there are dozens that are, that are far superior to CBA from a risk-reward perspective. Okay, Andrew. So the follow-up question then is in regards to those competitors you were talking about. It came on Twitter. Uh, Les and Darren, I've combined your questions together to try to create a little bit of a narrative here. Because, of course, what would a show of uh, Spotty be without talking about the buy now, pay later space? And uh, obviously, you know, thoughts in regards to what's occurring there, Andrew. It is obviously or perceived to be uh, opposition. Then there was a follow-on question too was, well, is there a potential that these guys could be acquired by a bank? We know CBA's gone and taken a little part interest of Klarna, which has been absolutely useless. Uh, good waste to shareholder investor money there. Hopefully they'll be able to turn that around. But is there the potential that a bank could come in and acquire or play in this very hot space, which let's let's face it, it's going to be around, but um, yeah, is it too hot to get into now or do they need a bit of a pullback? I think it's way too hot, um, but then you could have asked me that 20% ago and, yeah. and we've, seen, we've seen what's happened. So it, it's a real head scratcher uh, after pay. I mean, yes, the, the business has performed exceptionally well. Yes, there's a wonderful opportunity, but I'm just thinking longer term, I mean, where, where are the competitive advantages here that are, the, the real durable, sustainable kind of ones that, yes, it's a hot sector, but every second day there's a new, there's a new offering launched into the market. I don't know if the loyalty is there from a consumer standpoint that a lot of people um, assume that will be there. And it comes back to, for me, it, it's that price for perfection and then some kind of argument that let's say that over the next five, 10 years, Afterpay continues to sort of dominate in this space. Well, it's kind of in the price and, it's, and, it's, and then more. So I really don't get it. Now I could be completely wrong on that, but mm. I wouldn't be too annoyed if I missed out on it. Investing is all about as far as I'm concerned, staying within your circle of confidence. And I'm really, I'm really happy to put my hand up with this one and just say, I don't, I don't get it, particularly at these valuations. So I'll, I'll be looking elsewhere. Yeah, and you've got to remember, a reminder from you know, Tony Lacantro, who was on a few weeks ago, where he reminded us that the key to Northern Star's success wasn't that gold prices kept going up or that they found more gold. What they needed was a big correction in the actual whole gold industry to then create value so they could go out and buy some great resources at bargain basement prices so that when things return to normal, they'd go up. So the idea of being bought out by one of the big four, these guys, look, possibly one day, possibly if the bubble does pop and they're looking to support that, but probably not at these elevated levels. Uh, now, oh, wise Nick, uh, given that profound 
observation in regards to uh, Confucius. Uh, given I look at four walls all day now, I might take part in that given I scratch my backside all day. Um, another one of those stocks, uh, DXN is their code, DXN Limited. Now, very small business. No one would know about it except for one thing. It's involved in data centres. And everyone has seen the next DC, everyone has seen Macquarie Telecom, and by assertion, everyone's now looking for the next data centre that's going to shoot the lights out. This is potentially one of those. Although if you look at a share price, it doesn't look like anyone else is buying into it. So is this another one where I need to find Zen or is there some life um, uh, for uh, for this one here? The question asked from Costa, um, of course, all due respect, Costa, I'm just trying to add a bit of humour in this very depressed life that I'm living here in Victoria. Um, your view in regards to DXN, Nick? Yeah, well, interestingly, there's a lot of volume coming to it in the last few months. Um, obviously, that's a lot of speculative money that the stock went from one cent to, I think, up to four cents and has now been rejected. That level up there at four cents uh, is a big line of resistance. It's been in place for for a year and a half now. Um, it was support, it's now resistance, and I wouldn't be touching this stock unless we got up through there again. Certainly no real signs of a turnout, turnaround at this stage. Um, up until a couple of months ago, this thing hardly traded any volume whatsoever. So I don't know, it looks like a bit more speculative punting going on in that in that one, mate, rather than anything, um, anything uh, sort of more fundamental to me. But from a breakout perspective, four cents is the level I would only get interested in. Yeah, I think oh, a bit, a little bit hard there. I just had a look at its longer term price. Yeah, obviously on a big turnaround there. Um, look, I know you're not a fan of property trusts, Andrew, so we'll just remind that. But one I think you would have heard of before, and in my view has been the stellar in this space for a few years now, is Charter Hall, code CHC. Slick Rick has sent it to, to us via the text machine. Uh, he'd like to know our view in regards to Charter Hall. Um, interesting because it's held up again quite well relative to a lot of others. It's got its fingers in a number of different pies. Is that its saving grace? Is it diversified enough to ride out the short-term volatility in the whole property space? Yeah, potentially so. I mean, you're absolutely right. These, these guys have, have shot the lights out. Dividends up about 50% over the last five mm. years, which is pretty good for, for a property trust. And even today, um, although you know share price has done well, they're still offering a 3.3% yield. Um, rightly point out, in an environment where interest rates are next to nothing, um, that ain't too bad. So the devil is always, I find, in the detail with, with these property trusts here. You know, it, it, it's occupancy is something you've got to watch incredibly uh, closely. Holding values are something you have to watch in, in incredibly closely and you've got to have a, a fairly firm view on. So, but assuming that, that they're all pretty good and that they're fairly robust and, and you know, occupancy will stay high. Occupancy, absolutely vital, of course. There's no point being a landlord if you've got no tenants, of course. So. Mm. Um, uh, P15 yield of 3.3 percent doesn't seem doesn't seem too outlandish. Um, I would want to though to to really get into the weeds here if I was going to seriously contemplate this. I'd be wanting to sort of pull apart all those individual assets um, and exposures and try and get a good handle on all of that. But it, it seems pretty reasonable at this price. Okay, so let's look at another one that Slick Rick wanted to know about. Nick, uh, this was Goodman Group uh, GMG now. Their share price is that close to you know uh, all-time high or multi-year highs. Uh, of course, the property trusts 
You know, it'd be interested in your view because we've had Andrew. Is just your general view on property just trusts as a whole and GNG specifically, Nick? Yeah, well, look, these things trend really, really nicely, and when they get going, it's it's, it's very good. And again, with um, with the other one, we saw massive buy demand coming in on that weakness, so a lot of insider buying there, and it looks very, very good. It held up on Friday, even though the broader market was down, and it's up again today. Now, mm. GMG, all-time highs. I mean, you know you know my view on that. That's not bearish. That's a good thing. So it's come back. Didn't have the big volume that we saw um, down in the marsh sell-off that some of the other stocks have had, but still, it's, it's rebounded very, very well. Looks great. You know, again, testing the highs, it might have a pause here. This is the third time we've kind of been up around this $16, $17 area. The more times we test that, the more likely it's going to break out. So I think it looks great, you know. So if we if we take March, that March sell-off out of the equation, I think it looks absolutely fantastic. And potentially we've got uh, a potential up towards $21, maybe $22 in this stock. I think it looks great. And it's spread across all over the world, of course. It's not just an Australian business. Unfortunately, that was the wrong chart we had there. A GMG is the code, um, but that's okay. Uh, you can all go and play along at home and read it at your um, own leisure. Uh, look, just very quickly, um, I'll actually no, actually, I'll go straight to the stocks to watch. So, Andrew, uh, just your two stocks to help us see the light on that we can go out and investigate at our own leisure in order to... Uh, you know, determine whether it aligns with our objectives and, of course, tolerance to risk. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I'll give a couple of smaller companies uh, today uh, where I like to play. Um, I think Alcidian is a very interesting company. ALC is the code here. These guys, software developers um, for, for hospitals, uh, healthcare operator, operators, allows you to, to um, digitally manage patients and the rest of it. They've had some really encouraging growth in recent times. Their fourth quarter results came out not too long ago. Record cash receipts, cash flow positive, 16 odd million dollars of cash in, in the bank. Line growth, not as strong as I would have liked to have seen, but uh, still a lot of revenue already locked in for the current year. They've actually had a bit of a benefit, dare I say, from, from this whole um, COVID palaver. Uh, in the sense that it has seen an increase in inbound inquiries and the rest of it. They've, they've done some nice um, uh, pivots there too to sort of ramp up that part of their offering to allow doctors to, to manage the patients from home and the rest of it. I actually think that um, you, you look at this and it's one of these companies that you think, yeah, another technology company trading on a very high sales multiple, about eight times sales at this point in time. Yeah. But what's interesting here is that they're coming off a very, very low base. And, and, that's, and it's growing very fast as well. So, you know, if you've got a dollar in sales, it's not hard to, you know, have a tenfold increase uh, in, in your sales. So you've got to look at it in, in that perspective. So I think they're very, my, my working assumption at this stage is I think they actually hit about 50 million in sales by 2023 and, and be operating at a fairly decent net margin at that mm -hmm. point in time. We've got a bunch of detail on Strawman. It's a pretty highly ranked stock there. So you can go and check it all out. My valuation's about 18 cents per share. I did revise that down a little bit after the most recent results, but it still, still represents a good premium on the current price. So I like that one. Um, I know we're running need out to of time. Be, need to be quick with a second, yeah. I'll be very quick, and I mentioned it before, it's EnviroSuite, the one I was very passionate about, sub 10 cents, and, and really sold down above 20, but it's all now back at about 14, 15 cent mark. These guys made a very big acquisition recently. They're on track for $100 million in sales in the next few years. 
They're one of these companies that are very small but dominate the niche that they're in, and it's a very fast, rapidly growing niche as well in, in terms of re remote environmental monitoring. So I like that a lot. I think shares there are probably worth at least about 20 cents each. All right, then. So that's all we have time for, folks. So on that note, we thank Andrew Page from The Straw Man. And remember, go to strawman.com in order to sign up and join Australia's largest real community. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, mate. And to Nick Raj from The Chartist, who's kindly made available to all viewers of Spotty, 101 in technical analysis. If you don't know it, you really shouldn't be looking at the charts. And that's at thechartist.com.au forward slash Spotty. Thank you, Nick, for your time today and for making your blueprint available to everyone. Great. Thanks for having me, Elio. And stay tuned to all the social media channels uh, for what's uh, coming up next. Uh, thanks to our sponsors, uh, ShareWealth Systems, for uh, keeping the lights on. Uh, go to their website, sharewealthsystems.com, to learn more about how they help investors. Thanks, Ticker, for letting us take an hour of prime time. Thanks, Mike, for pushing the right buttons. And hopefully, thank you, Daniel Andrews. Hopefully, you can keep us on air for tomorrow. Stay tuned for the Ben Robin Robo Show. Until then, I'm Elio D'Amato. You've been watching Spotty, and together, we've been shining the spotlight on shares. Take care, everyone.